Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Chokum. Matt joins me as we have our F1 awards show to go through. Also, our last F1 show of 2020. So thanks, everybody, for tuning into these all year long. We will be back with more and more F1 content in 2021. So, Matt, how are you on this lovely Tuesday evening? Pretty good. It's a little weird that there's like almost no racing to look forward to. I don't know what to do with myself. And the Bears keep doing well. Just throwing me off too. So it's a weird time of the year, I guess. Yeah, I don't know about the Bears part, but it it is the weekends are, are much more boring when there's not some sort of racing to worry about covering. For sure. All right. Ready to dish out some grades. Be be harsh critic. Yeah, let's do or it. Or polite Mike, depending on how you look at it. All right, so we're going to quick uh, do a postseason recap for you guys today as far as dishing out some grades to the teams that ran this year. And then we are going to, later on the episode, uh, go through some award categories. We're each going to nominate a driver or an applicable answer to the award. And we're going to put those on Twitter to have y'all vote for them. So it should be a good time. We're just going to get this thing rolling. So first off on the team list, we're just going to go in alphabetic order. We're just going to talk about the team, maybe make a comment or two about their drivers, if anything stood out or if we had one that was better than the other, and then throw out a letter grade. Alfa Romeo, uh, they had probably a forgettable season. Not too much stood out. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen's first lap at, I believe it was Portimao, uh, was one thing that stood out in their season. Um, that's they about re- it. They retained both drivers for next year. What 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 grade would you give them? So, for those wondering, they finished with a whopping eight points this year. <laughs> Four points each from my pizza man Giovinazzi, and four points from the angry Finnish man Kimi Raikkonen. I'm going to give them a D plus. Because it's about what we expected from them, which was almost next to nothing. So they did just better than next to nothing. Yeah, I mean, as far as the two drivers go, honestly, not that much to split them apart. I actually think Gio did a pretty good job of holding his own this year. So yeah, I think I was going to shoot for that D range. Uh, Not a whole lot to brag about there, but... I, I I do think the engine power was holding them back a little bit. All right. Second on the list, Alpha Tauri. For those wondering, and before Matt starts us off with a letter grade here, they finished Constructors in P7 with 107 points. Honestly, this is probably going to be one of the tougher ones on here because they definitely punched above their weight class this year. And obviously Pierre Gasly had his win, which is definitely the highlight of their year. But Danny Kafi had had some really good runs himself too. And I'm specifically thinking Imola where he finished fourth, uh, which was their second highest finish of the year. Because, you know, if, if we're being honest, that, that Gasly win definitely had some luck playing to it. But they consistently had one car finish in the top eight area. Some of them were 10th, 
but a couple of them are sixes, fifth, fourth. They only had two races where they didn't have a driver in the points. So as far as that whole, if we put all that together, I'm going to go ahead and give them a B. I think they had a pretty good year, and I think they can be pretty proud of themselves. I will go slightly lower than you. I'm going to go with B-. minus. I think the only thing that really held them back from having a truly, really good year was there were there was always one car that wasn't as good as the other car in a given weekend. Just a little lack of con- overall consistency, I think, held the team back. But, I mean, all in all, all things considered, it's a, a, a pretty good year for a quote-unquote sister team, junior, junior team, whatever you want to call them in, in the F1 world. This one's going to be tough. Got Scuderia Ferrari, who okay. started off the year with a second-place finish with Leclerc. Uh, and then the next race at Austria, Leclerc took himself and Vettel out in turn three. Not a whole lot to brag about here. Three podiums is all they could manage this year. I know we said it with Alfa Romeo, but just that Ferrari engine this year, unfortunately, wasn't up to spec. Uh, Vettel's gone now. It's Leclerc and Sainz going forward. Mattia Bonotto uh, says that they are shooting for a top three next year which is weird because earlier in the season he said this could take years to fix. So I guess we're getting mixed messages from him. So where do you think you would grade them here on the report card? C minus. I think Leclerc saved it from being worse than that with his, what he was able to get out of the car all year. By no means is this, it's a very generous, this is a polite mic C minus, but I think Ferrari and Ferrari Sanchez was pretty terrible this year and Leclerc showed his talent that he was able to wheel that car to a handful of podiums and some good results throughout the year. Yeah, I was thinking a C. Uh, I think they were well on their way to a D minus up until the upgrades that they introduced late in the season that definitely improved their competitiveness. So I think kind of like you said, if it wasn't for those, yes, I would have been much harsher on them all right next up i think this might be (laughs) one of the easier ones to do haas f1 with a whopping three points on the season that wasn't much of an intro (laughs) i have nothing good to say about haas right now (laughs) yeah that's fair we're not even talking about their 2020 season we're talking about even their off season their off season is getting an f minus so far yeah their their grade is an f they they have there's there's not one positive thing they can build on for next year other than a fresh driver lineup and i don't think the drivers were the issue i don't think they held per se but the drivers were not the issue this year and again the ferrari power sucked i i don't honestly know what they do with their off season uh, they haven't built a good car, and it started off good in their rich energy years. And I think last year too, they started off pretty well, and they, they just gave up on the season, and they haven't recovered since then. So I, I give them a straight up F. I miss rich energy. <laughs> I mean, not literally. I just miss the entertainment behind rich energy. Yeah, I'm going with an F two, and again. Nothing against either of the, the drivers there. Their equipment was awful. And we're not even talking about their 20, 
2020 slash 2021 offseason that will get an F minus minus right now. This is purely the 2020 season, which was just utter garbage. They were never once competitive. Lucked into a P9 and a P10, and it should have been a P8 and a P9, but they got penalized. So really, you had one weekend out of 14 that you got points. So one for 14. My math isn't very good here, but that's that's pretty bad. What else can you say? All right, next up is McLaren. They had a very good year. Uh, they ended up finishing third in the constructor standings with Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. Norris had a podium at the first round in Austria, and Sainz had a second place at the race at Monza. And if I'm doing a quick glance here, they both finished in the points in nine looks like nine of the 20 or what we ended up with 17 nine of the 17 rounds this year so very good very respectable year what would you give them as a letter grade i think i'm gonna go with a b i think overall it's a huge improvement over where they've been the last few years but there was a few weekends i want to say like weekends three or four through eight or eight-ish, where they kind of seemed to lose pace through the middle part of the season for a little bit. Not that they weren't necessarily out of the points, but just dropped down a little bit. So a little consistency mid-season. Obviously, the end of the season, they came back on strong. So a solid B. Yeah, I'm going to give them a B plus, and I think that's, you know, they've come a long ways. There's nothing wrong with a B plus. They had a great year. They were very consistent. They didn't really have a killer instinct per se. It's not like they showed up to a race weekend and blitzed everybody. Uh, but they they did a very respectable job this year and, and credit to them and sticking with it because it's been a couple of really tough seasons for them. But I do think they're on the rise in. They got Mercedes coming to them next year here. Next up on our list is our pals at Racing Point. Racing Point was P4, 195 points in the standings. Diving into that further, we had Checo Perez in P4 overall, and Baby Stroll P11 overall, or I guess technically tied for 10th with Gasly. So, Matt, take it away. In my classroom, we're just going to pretend that cheating doesn't doesn't get recognized, because uh, if, if we had to bust them for cheating, I think they would be held back a grade. Uh, but hey, you know, they got their, what was it, 15-point penalty, which ended up costing them P3 in the Constructors. They got paperwork thrown at them every weekend, even though it was pointless. Uh, so I guess they did get some form of punishment, even though it was nothing. But I am going based on that and uh, their performances. I will give them an A-. minus. just want to point out that if they had two really good drivers, it probably would have been an A or an A+. Plus. Uh, but unfortunately, Checo was shouldering much of a load this year and consistently outperforming his teammates but that car was fast and did kind of have a quote-unquote killer instinct that mclaren lacked i just think a the penalty hurt them and b they had some mechanical issues and crashes that really set them back versus mclaren tended to not have as many of those issues so as a whole i think Racing Point did a very good job this year with their copycat car and were very quick. And I think, obviously, I would put them as the third best team this year. 
polite Mike is not going to be coming out tonight because I am going to give them a B for not for cheating. I don't you know. It is what it is, but a little bit of a lack of consistency. You might be able to attribute that to Lance trolls, driving abilities, but there were a few crashes. There were a handful of mechanical gremlins that popped up throughout the year which I think held them back. So I am going to stick with a B for them. And that brings us to, we've got, oh, we, we, we skipped one, Matt. We skipped Mercedes. <laughs> oh. that's, that's, that's when you had McLaren on the list twice that we paused the show for. Oops. So do we'll just put them in at the end because that's we don't, can we, no, we can just, do you just give them an A plus now and move on? Yeah, A plus for Mercedes. Okay. A Next plus up for Mercedes. We don't like Botas. Let's move on. Yeah. Botas is a bum. Anyway, next up, Red Bull. Red Bull, 319 points in second overall. Obviously, most of those points came from Max Verstappen, who had 214 in third, and recently demoted Alex Albon in seventh with 105 points. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's tough to do this one because well, it's kind of weird. I think we're we're switching roles. Usually, I'd be like harsh grader, negative guy, and your grades are a little lower than mine tonight. So I'm still gonna give them an A. I think that team built a really good car, and what Max was able to do with it this year, I think against the Mercedes juggernaut with what he was able to do. I, th- I give him a lot of credit. Albon obviously was not as fast or as consistent, but he did have flashes of speed. And I think obviously if that car was worse, Albon would have definitely done worse. So I think the fact that Max did so well, and then Albon was able to flash some brilliance here and there even with some poor starting spots and whatnot, I still think the team did a really good job this year. All right. Well, I'm going to be slightly more critical than you and keep, keep this up. I'm and not, this isn't as glaring this time. I'm going to give them B plus. They had a pretty, a pretty good year. I think Albon's performance. Well, maybe not their fault kind of brings them down just a tick for me. Next up is Alpine. Oh, sorry. Uh, Renault. To recap their driver lineup of Ricardo and Ocon, they took home three podiums this year, two for Ricardo and one for Ocon. Kind of the same story with McLaren, where consistently consistent, no killer pace really anywhere, uh, some reliability issues, but really consistently having at least one driver in the points just about every race, race weekend. Actually, the only race weekend they did not have a points finish was in Spain. So otherwise, they got got points every race they entered. What do you think? I'm going to go with a B. I think consistently consistent and improvement upon the last couple of years. So a little bit better. Obviously, Ricardo got that podium. So what's his face has to get the tattoo now. <laughs> I, I, from what I hear, he's going to get the pit lane parlay logo tattooed across his chest. So. Stay on the lookout for that. If you drink hard enough, it'll actually come true. And yeah, that's that's all I got. That's uh, that's going to generate us a lot of marketing revenue. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I am going to go harsh. Or what? I'm going to give them a B minus. I just, it's not like they were bad. 
they just never wowed me. I think Ricardo did a couple times. Ocon never really did. It just, yeah, they just never really, fortunately, just knocked my socks off. So uh, B minus, I just wanted to put him a little bit below McLaren because I thought McLaren was a little better on the year. Uh, last and definitely least, uh, we have Williams. I, uh, their highlight was loaning George Russell to Mercedes for a weekend. So where do you got, what do you got for him? I'm going to give him a D Williams. I should say Williams. George Russell had some pace this year, which was more than no pace that he had last year. So he was relatively consistent in making it into Q2 and qualifying, but that's really all I can say. There's nothing to write home about with Williams this year. Am I allowed to change one of my prior grades? Sure. Can I give Haas an F minus? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then I'm going to give McLaren, or sorry, Williams an F. I just didn't want Williams to be last because we go into a season now, unfortunately, which blows my mind watching the old races. We just go into a season now with Williams expecting them to finish last and not having any sort of expectations for them. So the fact that they got no points this year is really not a surprise. Uh, I do hope they can figure this out uh, soon. I'd really love to see them back up there where they belong. Uh, but yeah, I'm giving them an F and I just wanted to make sure I changed Haas's to F minus. Cause I just want everybody out there to know that I do think Haas was the worst team on the grid this year. Can you change Haas to an F minus for me too on, on our notes? Sure. Okay. Before we go into individual awards real quick, today's episode brought to you by our friends at fanatics, the world's largest collection of official fan gear from all leagues, teams, and players you love. If you enjoy the show and you're looking to buy a new jersey, sweatshirt, or hat, support us and support Fanatics by going to podgo.co slash fanatics, and you'll get 25% off your next order. We've got a slew of awards based on races, drivers, teams, liveries, Rich energy. No, I'm just kidding. No, rich energy. I wish. I wish we could have like the rich energy. We need we need an award sponsored by rich energy just for us, not for like real F1. Oh, can I like throw a sponsor on one of these awards we already have here? I could throw Yeah, we could make like the rich energy like disappointment of the year award (laughs) or fraud of the fraud fraudulent actions of the year award. Worst off season the rich energy worst off season move award. <laughs> there we go. I am really disappointed. The last time I talked to Jess McFadden on an episode and we were talking about rich energy, it was available on Walmart.com and I thought I'll buy it around Christmas time and it's now sold out on their website, which means people are actually buying rich energy in this country. Which uh Especially the pandemic. What's going on with that? I need that one explained to me. Yeah. Anyway, let's dive into it. First up is Driver of the Year. Matt, would you like to start? Uh, driver of the Year. Well, before I get there, so we're actually going to each nominated driver, and then we're going to put it on Twitter, and you guys are going to vote for the winner. So I'm not saying that if you pick mine, Mike will be disappointed, but if you pick mine, Mike will be disappointed. Uh, I don't know if that's an incentive for you to go out and vote for the people that I nominate. It's not like Mike and I are taking this as a competition or anything. 
We don't want you guys no. to think that. So I guess my driver of the year then is Lewis Hamilton because yes, he was in one of the best cars ever assembled in the history of Formula One. But what what did he end up winning? Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of the sixteen races that he entered. Uh, Italy, he finished seventh, but that was a pretty heroic effort. If we're being honest, the fact that he finished seventh was a great race for him because he had the penalty. Uh, Austria round one P four, but he again had another penalty. Uh, so you take those two results away, and he would have been on the podium every race. Uh, had those penalties not happened. So he just was unbelievable this year. And while it may not have made for the most entertaining of races, we can't really discredit just how good of a season he had. All right. Well, we know I can't pick the guy who finished second in the standings. Why? So I just can't, I can't bring myself to do it. I will go with Max Verstappen as the only non Mercedes car to pretty much consistently challenge Mercedes all year. Won a race there at the end very, very impressively, so I'll give it to Max. All right, who do you have for your disappointing driver? Who was the biggest disappointment of the year for drivers? I am going to go with Esteban Ocon. Came in with Lots of fanfare after a year on the sidelines and kind of just did. I, you know, I had one podium, but otherwise did nothing all year. And I just want everybody to point out that the one podium he did have, Mike picked him to do well that race. So I did. They clearly have a connection there, even though he just nominated him for disappointment of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I am going with Alex Albon, who is now out of a ride. We will touch on that with our first episode of the new year uh next episode uh, and give her full thoughts on that but obviously he was nowhere near the pace of his teammate this season uh the results are pretty damning and uh, ultimately it cost him his job i think if he nailed this year he could have been set up for years but now he's gonna have to kind of work his way back to formula one again which could take several years so uh, disappointing in more than one way this year for Albon. Next award is Team of the Year. Matt, who are you nominating? I am going to go ahead, like I said with the letter grades, on a team that really impressed me, and I am going to go with Racing Point. Again, they had the penalty, and they had some crashes and mechanical issues that were beyond the team's fault, uh, but I think... The pace that they were able to show, you know, kind of as the best of the rest, I think was very impressive. And I do think kind of looking back on uh, this season, years from now, we will appreciate kind of just how they were able to contend for basically kind of the fourth, fifth region, uh, just about every race. So not the biggest team on the grid. Not the best driver lineup on the grid, but I think they definitely made the most of their opportunities this year. And they gave us Nico Hulkenberg, which is always a great thing. All right. Thank you. I I really thought you were going to take my pick there. I'm going to go with McLaren. Probably, yeah, if Racing Point doesn't get that penalty, they're, they're P4. But I don't think anybody predicted McLaren to be P3 after how atrocious they've been the last handful of years. I know last year wasn't atrocious, but... 
they they took a a large step in the right direction this year and they have mercedes engines next year so it can only get better now that i said that they're going to be like ferrari next year so sorry in advance all right uh who's the most disappointing team of the year ferrari (sighs) do i even need to explain or can i just say ferrari you suck i know you remember the good old days when they were uh, testing pre-COVID, and everybody thought they were sandbagging. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one-time practice results actually were accurate for what the season would be. Seriously. All right, so then by default, I'm going to go with Haas, just because there is not anything they can hang their hat on. And, uh, you know, like we said earlier, just there's just not a whole lot of positivity going forward. All right, next up, race of the season. That's tough because there honestly is about five or six good races here to pick from. Yeah, I, I do think. Uh, I would love for you to go first in this one, but I want to be fair and alternate. I'm, this is why I'm glad you went first on this one. I haven't narrowed down to two. I I'll, I'll throw mine in as an honorable mention if you don't pick it. So I'm gonna say Monza. I think when we sit down and look back on this year. Monza should be the most memorable just because, you know, the 1998 season, we had a great battle between Michael Schumacher, uh, Mika Hakkinen, and, you know, kind of like McLaren versus Ferrari. But it seems like the only thing that people remember about that year was Damon Hill winning at Spa. Just because it's Jordan, Jordan went 1-2, you know, Coulthard had contact with Schumacher and knocked Schumacher out of the race. There was the 17 car crash at the beginning of that race. But the only thing that people seem to remember is that Damon Hill won just because it was a small team, a one-off driver, et cetera, et cetera. And, or like, you know, kind of a one-off result for that team. And so I think, you know, Pierre Gasly winning at Monza is going to be something that we remember for a long time. Carl Sainz finished second, Lance Stroll finished third. There's no Ferrari, Red Bull, or Mercedes on that podium, which is awesome. And the race just had crazy drama. You know, the Lewis penalty the uh, Leclerc red flag and the race restart stroll blowing the chicane. I mean, it just had all the makings of a memorable race. So I am going to go with Monza. That's a good one. That's that would have been my pick. Honestly, if, if you didn't pick it, I'm going to go with. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minterdial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos!
Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. God, I forget the name of uh, Sakir, the Bahrain short. Just because we went into it for the first time in a long time, having no idea what the race was going to look like in any capacity. And the race gave us some drama. George Russell leading laps, which is still weird to actually say out loud. Mercedes totally botching pit stops. And honestly, I don't even remember who won the race. Sergio. Oh, right. That was Sergio's win. And Sergio Perez's first win. I was li- I was literally trying to sit here and go, who who actually won that race? I only remember everything bad that happened. It wasn't Botas. Yes, and so that was my, for those who are wondering, that was my honorable mention. And I guess like a honorable, honorable mention would be the first Austria race. What a way to kick off the year. That was a, a fun one with, again, lots of drama. That was my honorable mention. Yeah, so... But yes, it's it's good to have a lot of choices, which we wouldn't normally get in the Formula One season, so that's good. This one is aptly named the 2005 USGP Worst Race of the Season. Mike, we're going to, I'm just, I've unilaterally decided that we're going to do a special episode in the offseason about the 2005 USGP. Okay. I, I have thoughts. <laughs> I need, so. I need to rant. <laughs> that's fair. I, well, there's. There's an obvious one. I'm going to take the easy one on this one. I'm sorry. The Abu Dhabi, the last race of the year, is easily the worst race of this year. That's what am I supposed to do? Spain. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) on the flip side, we also get spoiled for choice at times for worst race. And I think the three that stand out are Spain and Russia, which are every year, and then Abu Dhabi. Uh, I will default to Russia just because, unlike Russia, at least Spain is a track with potential versus Russia just sucks. And there's not a single good part about that racetrack. And all the drivers hate turn one. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. It's a terrible track. All right. There are a lot of potential answers for the next two question here so the best moment of the 2020 season i think easily has to be uh roman grosjean emerging from the crash uh all things considered relatively unscathed and vandermeer and the other medical car driver who basically helped him escape from that and the marshals who are helping extinguish the flames as he's you know, in that fiery mess. And so for him to get out of that alive, okay. And, you know, uh, with his family and whatnot, 
I think is the one we're going to look back on this season and just say, wow, we really dodged a bullet and we were super thankful for all the safety improvements in the sport because had that not happened, uh, it would be a much different tune and a much different story right now. All right. I definitely can't be that answer. I'm going to take this in a funny direction then. The, what was it? Turkey when Botas spun like eight times. <laughs> and team radio said Valtteri there's six laps left and he said I wish there was less that was the funniest moment of 2020 for me (laughs) that's funny I had to find a way to dig him somewhere in the middle of the awards part of this yeah you already got Ocon now you got Botas yeah I'm getting checking off all the boxes Haas is next I guess what about our most memorable moment of the season the Pierre Gasly podium celebration after his win in Monza. The pictures from there are monumentally epic and just the you know the the overwhelming sense of joy and, and tears and everything and and I think that was the weekend he had Anton Hubert on his helmet. So it was just it was a lot and and for him to overcome everything he's overcome it, you could tell it meant a lot to him. So I'll go Gasly on this one. Yes, good one. I'm going to go with Russell's Mercedes call-up. I think years down the road here, when he is in a legitimate ride, we'll kind of point back to the the first call-up he got here at Bahrain Short as like a a tryout and how well he did. And now it's like, you know, hey, we saw this coming. So uh, I think him leading all those laps and doing so well for, for Mercedes is going to bode well for his future. And I think we're going to look back at that fondly. All right, Matt, think back to last off season. What was the best off season move made prior to 2020? Hmm. Thinking here, there wasn't too much driver turnover. Was there? No, this is probably these next two are probably honestly the toughest two that I had to think about when I was looking at our notes beforehand. Well, I might need your opinion on this. I mean, what are we counting as the off season? Are we counting from the end of the last race in 2019 to when the race was or the season was supposed to start? Or are we talking up until Austria? Yeah, you can do up until Austria. That's that's fair. Okay. It's a weird year, so we can we can bend the rules a little okay. bit. Okay. So I think the best offseason move was actually not by a team or by a driver, but by the FIA for going to a lot of these new venues this year because we were treated to an unorthodox schedule that actually honestly made Formula One look exciting and fun again, even if the cars right now are not the best for racing. Uh, so credit to the FIA for their adaptability and putting together a hell of a schedule. Did we just praise the FIA? Yeah, actually, I don't really knock them very often. I haven't, like, you know, I was, yeah. if this was five years ago, it'd just be like one after the other after the other roasting the FIA. But right now, it's just, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I'm really struggling with where to go on this one because that was kind of what I was going to do. You could say, and... um, what's his face going to Reno? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I am going to say I am going to, I don't know. Latifi joining Williams? Nope. Toro Rosso rebranding? 
Yeah, let's go with that. Toro Rosso rebranding to Alpha Tauri because it made the car look cooler and the name is cooler. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the worst answer I've ever given to an answer to a question on the show in 302 episodes. All right, the uh, Rich Energy worst off-season move. Any anything that Ferrari did to try to develop their car because it didn't work. No, it's really hard to argue that. I don't know. You could go my buddy at Renault or Latifi. No, see, well, Latifi's blowing in fruit, and I don't mind. I mean, Ocon's not my favorite, but I don't, I don't have this like dartboard cut out of his face on my wall like you do. <laughs> um, it's there. Don't worry. You don't have to pan your camera. I know it's around the corner. I'm gonna go with. Robert Kubica. I'm a. I'm honestly a little confused because it seems like now that we know we know he brought Orland to Williams last year as a sponsor. Uh, he got outqualified by George Russell every race, and so he in the off season accepted a role within the Alfa Romeo team as the reserve driver. But now Orland is plastered all over that car, and to me, I'm wondering why would you bring a primary sponsor to a team only to be a test driver? And it looks like he's set to be, well, he's not in the, on the team next year either. So I'm not really sure what he's getting out of this dynamic other than just handing Alfa Romeo a truckload of money from the sponsor that he's bringing. I guess I'm a little confused on that one. Yeah, it's good for Alfa Romeo. It's a win for them. I guess I could have made that the offseason move of the year, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. We've got two final awards to wrap up. 2020 season matt your best livery this year hands down mercedes as much as the silver arrows car that is iconic for their history is cool and their adaptation on it since 2010 kind of keeping it fresh every year even the one they had this year looked really good um obviously with the events of the off season and the global movement to bring attention to black lives matter and ending racism. They opted to change their silver car to a black car to help bring that message to light. And I thought they knocked it out of the park, both kind of with the message they were sending and the aesthetics to it. It looked beautiful. I really hope they do that more often. instead of just sticking with the same color every year, try to switch it up every now and then Uh, same with Ferrari Ferrari tried maybe a, more scarlet look in the future instead of a a bright red uh just kind of like pay homage to their you know late 90s or i'm sorry early 90s i think that'd be cool so mercedes nailed it loved it great job yeah that would have been my pick i always love the ferrari red but i agree with you i would would like it to go back to that scarlet color or even maybe a little darker back to like the 1950s and 1960s I wanted to choose Williams before Rocket or Rocket or however you say it decided they didn't want to Williams didn't want them on the car or whatever that whole scandal was before the start of the season and they ended up going with what they went with. So I'm gonna go with Alpha Towery. I thought the navy blue and white was really slick. I hated it like the fir- on, on the the livery release and I saw it on track and I went, wow, that's really slick. All right, what do you got for our final award here? The worst livery. Williams. (laughs) 
Are you just bitter about the whole rocket thing? No, no, I'm not bitter about it at all, but they could have gone with anything and they pretty much went with nothing. I don't know. I kind of liked it. It was clean. It wasn't the best livery, but I think, you know. No, no, your answer is invalid. It was clean. Roaring! Whatever. My worst livery of the year is Ferrari. Uh, even though I just said that they're, they, I wouldn't mind them switching up to, you know, like the Scarlet Ferrari maybe once in a while. Uh, I honestly think the 2019 Ferrari car was one of my all-time favorites. The matte red with the Mission Winnow worked yep. in really well throughout the car. The numbers looked really cool. Obviously, teams get to customize the numbers they display in their car to the font they want. I thought that looked really cool. The red this year, it, it, it was okay. It didn't really kind of match up with anything and the numbers were hideous they were terrible i don't understand why they use so much white with their numbers didn't like it at all really so i hope they come out with something a little more beautiful especially now that signs is driving for them they own a good car um yeah i think if we we can have mike kind of maybe design their next one well i don't know if you want that it would that's true we're talking to a guy who didn't like the williams livery Ugh. my heart all right, you know what? I got. I've. We're gonna end the year saying only nice things at this point now because it's the holidays. Ooh, what about oh. the Leighton House? Can they do the Leighton House livery somewhere? Oh God! If if anybody wants to see the not really the best F one livery of all time, but one of my favorites from the obscure F one team is the Leighton House livery of. 1990 and 1991 or 89, 90? I think they're 87 to 90-ish. But yeah, like 88 and 89. Either of those Leighton House cards are good good ones. That is uh, honestly what my F1 video game livery is based off of for our PLP league. So shout out to Frenchie who helped me design that and he runs it as well. So yeah, that would, that would be really cool. I don't think it'll ever happen, but that would definitely be up there there'd be we should do an what we would make f1 cars look like from a livery perspective because there's some pretty cool old ones out there from some obscure teams like uh hexith racing had a cool blue and white one um what year was that with that baron uh what's that what year was that Ooh, 70s maybe oh, okay it's before your time yeah well, they had a really cool like or really cool they had a really kind of goofy like cartoon bear as their like low mascot or something like that i'll send you uh i'll send you a link to it here in a second but weird yeah because kind of like indycar my expertise kind of starts in the early 80s so i i'd love looking at new liveries though for our league so this week i'm doing uh johnny or john players lotus uh send a tribute because we're racing at spa uh, so that was his second or third career win. And that was, yeah, at Spa. So I got that going. got the black and gold. Really excited about that one. And then I got another one coming for Monza next week. I can, uh, if you have to associate a team, Mike, with Monza, who would you guess? Haas? No. You're close, <laughs> though. Except in every single way. Ferrari, obviously. Yeah. So we're going to do a, a Ferrari tribute next week for the for their Monza race, which I just hope I make it out of turn one. <laughs> it's, a, it's the worst turn one lap one of the year for sure. Well, Matt, on that note, do you have anything left 
to say about the F1 2020 season? Any sign off, any lovely sign off words, words of wisdom, or I don't know. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, we appreciate all the support. I mean, we kind of decided to do this just a random evening, and we've both thoroughly enjoyed doing them. And I think they're just definitely going to continue into next year. So we're going to have a lot of fun with it. We're going to keep uh, talking about all it's It's crazy how much F1 news is in the world compared to maybe IndyCar and NASCAR. It's just kind of like a nonstop stream of news in Formula One for us to cover and so much history for us to go over. So hopefully we'll keep you guys plenty busy in the off season, but we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah. We've got some cool content we can do in the off season, like lost tracks and whatnot that F1 has plenty of. So yeah, thank you everybody listening. We'll obviously do tons of stuff in 2021. Try to get some interviews lined up. It's much harder to get an F1 interview than it is IndyCar and NASCAR, <laughs> unfortunately. I have sent many sh- emails at strange hours of the day to try to get noticed, but it will happen. I am not going to give up until it does, but thank you everybody for listening all year we'll be back in early january with some f1 news stay safe enjoy the holidays and we will talk to you guys soon stay ahead of the pack with the latest racing news and interviews from the Hammerdown racing report your source for regional racing action as well as the national scene every week we recap racing action from all around northwest ohio and southeast michigan and cover national racing series from the world of outlaws to NASCAR. Plus, get all the latest racing news. Join hosts Scott Hammer and Ron Miller, along with different featured guests each week. From dirt to asphalt, we have you covered. The Hammer Down Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform.